community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. And good evening, I'm Cornelius Wright. And in today's broadcast, you'll also learn of a major event happening in Bloomington on January 20th entitled Inaugurate the Revolution. An enormous full-day undertaking with teachings, workshops, rallies, and service projects. And as always, you'll get our perspective on what's relevant in the African-American world of news and local events of interest all in the next hour on Bring It On. But first, Election Day 2016 has come and gone. As we're still sorting through the impact of uh, those results, many of us, not just in the African-American community, have been left with a feeling of bewilderment, to say the least, with the national and statewide outcomes. We have invited Monroe County Democratic Party Chairman Mark Fraley to come on and help us with the recap of that day's results. Mr. Fraley, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, and I'm going to yeah. let William start it off because I know he's been he's been chomping at the bits to, to talk <laughs> about this. Well, there, you know, there's a lot of questions, or, or should I say there's a lot to talk about and, and even more questions. But considering um, what happened after the elections, you know, had it been a normal occurrence, then, you know, you would probably have individual candidates uh, on the losing end asking themselves what I did wrong. But this was such a, a, a broad sweep that you have to ask that, that question at, at, you know, at a much higher level. So with that in mind, Mark, what, what do you think happened? What went wrong? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that that's an excellent way to phrase the question, William, because, you know, really, we are having a lot of these conversations of, you know, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? And these are the s sorts of questions that you ask yourself after any election, whether you win or lose. Uh, but uh, nationwide, we're looking at a, a place in which uh, not a majority of the voters, but enough people uh, actually uh, voted to elect a person in office who ran a campaign that was uh, that that was completely depleted of decency. This is a person who uh, openly uh, mocks uh, disabled re disabled reporters. This is a person uh, who has uh, bragged about sexually assaulting women, someone who has used very openly racist language. And so then we have to ask the question, what about our nation uh, made it so that uh, someone can elect a person like this? And I think that that's a broader and deeper question that we have. And by the way, he, he's now denying that he mocked a disabled reporter. Yes, and I, 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 you can imagine how seriously I take his denial if you actually really look at the hand motions that he made and uh, what he was actually saying is, you know, his, I, I don't give him the benefit of the doubt in this particular circumstance. Now, let's go back eight to 10 years. Yeah. There was a wave of enthusiasm. There was just a wave of optimism in this country about a new day, a new <laughs> hope. What do you think happened or have, have any of the party leaders talked about what has happened in the past eight years that has had such a 360 turnaround right with the American people. Yeah, well, and I mean, I think that you can look at a, a number of different things, and I think that's an excellent uh, question, Cornelius. What 
I, and you know, some of the reason for optimism and hope, I think that uh, bared a lot of fruit. You know, I mean, under the Obama presidency, uh, we saw the inaction of the Affordable Care Act, something that has uh, given health care access to tens of millions of Americans who previously did not have it. Uh, we've also seen a lot of action on climate change, a lot of action on uh, the uh, on immigration rights, a lot of action on women's rights and the rights of uh, gays and lesbians. And so I think that a lot of the reason that we had for hope are, are it proved to be very valid. But I mean, I think that you're also, and not to mention, we can also see the longest um, expansion of economic growth in recent history. But uh, the question is really that uh, not everybody is experiencing in that uh, broad expansion, right? We have a lot of people who for not just the last eight years, but the last uh 30, 40 years have been in a position which they have been disconnected from uh, a lot of the ec economic growth that we've actually seen in this country. So we have a lot of people who are uh, suffering as a result of having factory closures. And when that happens, then people become dislocated from their communities. And when that happens, people start uh, displaying their frustrations in a lot of unusual ways. And I think that uh, Trump really uh, capitalized off of that broader feeling of resentment that, uh, that, that took place among a certain section of the population. You know, you mentioned that uh, not everybody benefited from the economic uh, growth. Mm -hmm. But back when, let's go back a little further than eight years, back when Ronald Reagan was president, it was the same thing. Right. Not everybody benefited from it, but Republicans were successful in making everybody think they benefited yeah. from it. Just like they're successful in, in uh, making people think that they're being hurt by the Affordable Care Act. Right. You know, and I remember uh, under Reagan, I got so sick and tired of, uh, give you an example, one day I was on an airplane and I got to talking with this older white guy about uh, uh, Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, Ronald Reagan just makes you feel good about yourself. Right. I'm like, I, I felt good before Ronald Reagan got elected, <laughs> you know. But that, that was part of the ruse, you know. Yeah. Um, but one question I wanted to ask was, it, it really seems that the Democratic Party, or Democrat Party, is always a step behind Republicans when it comes to uh, strategy, for example, and making things happen. Democrats always seem to be reacting. Um, one example is this whole shenanigan that Mitch McConnell pulled with the Supreme Court nominee. Right. You know, and then I know they caught Obama completely off guard when they held that secret meeting as he was being inaugurated. Right. And then that that kind of uh, uh, action reaction took place over his whole eight year presidency. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that there has, I, I think that it's not necessarily the fact that the Republicans are a strategically a step ahead of the Democrats. I mean, I think that uh, Trump's campaign was based on something that was completely divorced from strategy, it was something that was completely based in uh, a rhetoric and a certain type of emotional appeal that turned, that tended to cap, uh, captivate a lot of people, but I don't think it was necessarily based on a strategy of any sort. Um, I think what uh, is really actually happened is that there is a certain rhetorical power in the narrative that Donald Trump and Ronald Reagan himself were able to be able to put forth, right? That's connecting people to a uh, 
to a mythical past, right? We like to believe that there is, and that's what make America great again. We'd like to believe that there was some sort of a partner past where everything was where everything was great. People had all, where uh, families were completely intact, where communities were completely embedded together, and um, in Donald Trump's narrative, that this is something that was completely disrupted by you know immigration, by religious pluralism, by uh, everything that Barack Obama represented, and everything that Hillary Clinton was going to be able to continue, and you know he may, managed to be able to. Uh, have a lot of success pushing that uh, that narrative and trying to restore that mythical past. Mm-hmm. I, I like the way you put that. As I talked to to people as as the election was going on, and uh, a lot of people were disenfranchised or just upset with Washington D.C. the powers that be that that operating machine. And some people said it could have been Alfred E. Newman instead of Donald <laughs> Trump, that right. they were so ticked off with Washington that anyone could have come yeah. in and won the election. Do you kind of agree with that? Well, I mean, I do think that there's a lot of truth to the fact that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that people were very frustrated by uh, what they saw as an establishment game and uh, reacted in the way that they did, even if they didn't even necessarily believe that it was that, you know, and and by the way, I mean, I think here's one of the things that's important to be true. And I don't and I don't want this to get lost in the conversation. A majority of voters voted for Hillary Clinton in the last election. So he did not win a majority. Uh, Secondly, he. Uh, and, 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 and secondly, I think that um, most of what people have been reacting against is a, the idea that they see certain games in Washington that they're not part of, right? They feel disconnected from the government. And I think that that's going to be the big challenge for Democrats is now to reconnect a government to the people, right? Mm-hmm. And I tend to think of the whole uh, vision of the Democratic Party as being a place where it's like, okay, well, we understand that government is a place where a community can come together to solve shared problems. And sometimes on a national scale, that community becomes a lot bigger. And uh, we can never really disjoint the fact that uh, that the government is an extension of a people. It's you and me. It's the people who run for office. It's the people who volunteer for their neighborhoods. It's the people who are voting, who are part of the everyday uh, process of managing their own affairs. And I think that this is one of the big challenges is to bring the idea of government back to the spirit of the community and civic participation. Local, statewide, mm-hmm. and even federally, yeah. who are the rising stars in the Democratic Party right now? <laughs> who should we be looking out for? Yeah, I know. I mean, I think that that's a really good question. I mean, um, so, you know, statewide, I mean, I, I, people might have seen that uh, Pete Buttigieg is, uh, who is the South Bend mayor, is running for DNC chair. And uh, Pete Buttigieg is a remarkable fellow. The Monroe County Democratic Party invited him to come uh, last year for our annual Jefferson Jackson dinner and um, did a fantastic job uh, really connecting with a lot of the folks. And he's someone who uh, I think that once people really get to know when people get to hear uh, people 
become really connected to the person, right? He's 33 years old, served uh, served served in uh, Afghanistan, uh, in an openly gay mayor in, uh, in 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 South Bend, and just really a dynamic person, really, really, really incredible. And so I think that that's clearly one of the people that we're going to be watching out for nationally. I think that we also have a lot of really gifted people throughout the state. I mean, you see that um, you know John Zodi, who's our state party chair, has uh, did a lot, has done. A lot to uh, bring up our. Is that Aaron's leaders. husband? What's that? Is that Aaron's husband? Yes, it is. I work with, I work with Aaron. All right. <laughs> okay. Yes, it is. It is. It is. It is. It is. And and you know and he's he's someone who's done uh, a, really a lot to cultivate the emerging leaders in the party and uh, give us a long term vision. And so I think that that's one of those things uh, that you're going to have to look out for statewide as well. Um, Republicans seem to appeal they really go after their base yeah and they might take a, a cursory or a token approach you right. know to, to reach beyond that but while democrats kind of uh have more of a crossover appeal we do yeah diversity right but moving forward um it, will democrats be able to win back the senate the house the <coughs> white house mm-hmm you know, appealing to uh, a diverse group of voters? Yeah, and quite frankly, I mean, I think that's the only way that we're going to be able to win over mm-hmm. the long run. I think that uh, we have to really uh, un- understand that when you take a look at you know, at, at, at America, America is everybody, right? And these are people who, these are people who are Christians, Jews, Muslims, and people uh, who might ne- not necessarily identify by a faith. We're people of all different races. We're people of different sexualities. And I think that uh, more and more, uh, you know, aging white Americans are becoming a smaller portion of the population. I think that we're going to be able to have a, a, a lot to win based off of, you know, that in and of itself, because voters are going to be able to ask themselves, okay, well, what is this vision, what does, what does their vision of America, what does their vision of the future have for me? You know, and how do I relate to this in some way? And the more and more that you narrow that message, the more you're talking to a smaller and smaller and smaller group of people. And I think that that was one of the things that Donald Trump was being able to take advantage this election. I'm not necessarily sure that we're going to be able to see that 10 years from now or 20 years from now or 30 years from now. I think the Republicans are going to have to diversify in order to be able to maintain strength over the long run. But it, it seems that the problem was getting that diverse group of people out to vote. Turn out to that's vote. true, and 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 that often is a problem. And I think that that's uh, always a challenge. And I think that that's something that we're going to have to continue to be able to work on. Um, now, this election I think was different than previous elections in and uh, um, in, in, in a number of different ways. And I think that in the right year, in the right climate, in the right environment, we're going to have better options than we are in the in in. And uh, in, in, in say uh, 2016. Uh, however, I, you know, I don't think that I think the Democrats need to maintain their appeal to a, mm-hmm. a diverse population base. And if they didn't, I'm not necessarily sure it'd be uh, worth us winning yeah. elections. You know, you mentioned voter registration, and, yeah. and I've been on so many different, uh, in some, involved with so many different groups out there trying to get people to register to vote. Besides the results of the election, I think the thing that hurt me most was the low voter turnout, not only here in Monroe County, not only here in Indiana, but nationwide. What do we have to do? 
do we need to go to a different system where we can vote all week? It just seems to me that every American, if we pay right. taxes, we should be able to vote. And the fact that so many people are not voting right. is disturbing. No, I think that that's absolutely right, Cornelius. And, and here's here's uh, a couple of things that we need to understand. There's two basic premises that I think that really should be unarguable, right? Number one, voting is a right. And we don't all necessarily agree with that because we have a lot of people who in Washington, D.C., as well as in the state capitol that are trying to push laws to make it harder for people to vote through voter ID laws that make it much more difficult for uh, low-income people and people with disabilities to be able to access the polls um, and uh, that disenfranchise uh, uh people who uh, were previously incarcerated but have paid their debt to society and are ready to be able to move on. Uh, and so voting is a right, and that's not a right that's been recognized by everyone. And I think that that's a problem. Number two, uh, not only is voting a right, but voting is also an obligation. Uh, it's something that... Um, we have not just the right to be part of our government, we have the responsibility to be part of our government. And in a democracy, that's the only way that it's going to work. And so uh, we have to not only enfranchise people, but also uh, connect people to the idea that, you know, what government does personally affects us. It personally affects me, it personally affects my neighbors, and it affects the and affects the community in which we live in and, the, and uh, the community in which we share together. And I think that that's uh, uh, something that, as a country, we need to be able to do a lot in order to be able to explore Democrat or Republican. Now, do you think that might be something that the Democratic Party as a whole might want to strategize on to get more people to the polls. I mean, when yeah. you have a 25% turnout, that means right. three quarter of the people aren't voting and that's a huge group of people that yeah. you can go after. Yeah, it, it, it does and it is. And, and this is something that locally we've been focusing on for a long time. I mean, you know, we've we've uh, been registering, you know, thousands and thousands of voters on campus. We've offered rides to the polls. We had a Latino voter outreach program. We've had uh, voter outreach programs that are directed towards low income people. And this is something that uh, we're working on. And I think that we can always continue to improve and do a lot better. You know, all of the names that I hear being floated for a 2020 run, <laughs> all those people will be yeah. over 70 years old. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth Warren, who Joe Biden, Bernie, they're still talking about Bernie Sanders. Right. Would you agree that there needs uh, a more a younger person needs to emerge from within the party to... Uh, yeah, well, it, it, you know, it would not surprise me if, you know, whoever is going to be our standard bearer in 2020 is someone that you haven't even heard of right now. Okay. You know, I mean, this is, you know, this is, it's a nation that is constantly in flux. And I think that the party has to remain dynamic. Yeah. Remember, Barack Obama was only on the scene for a few years before he was elected president. It came out of nowhere. And, and, and you know, and I, I was actually, uh, and I was working in St. Louis at the time. And uh, one of my first jobs right after college, I was doing a lot of uh, voter registration on, uh, you know, my boss told me, he's like, okay, I want you to run a voter registration project in uh, East St. Louis, which is on the Illinois side. It's like, because there is, a state senator who's going to be running for Senate soon and we need to build a base in order to be able to get this person elected Senate uh, sen senator he's going to be a person who's really inspiring and, and and he's going to be the future of the Democratic Party at that point I did what I was doing because <laughs> you know it was it, 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 it you know something I was I, I was told I, I was told to do and I you know certainly uh, believed in registering voters but it was 
overnight that he turned into a sensation and really uh, captivated the hearts of not just the Democratic Party, but a lot of people. And I Whoever think told you that, that was prophetic. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You need to talk to him about the next person. That might, yeah, we, might yeah maybe, I should, maybe I should give him a call and find out who the next <laughs> yeah. person is going to be. And start and, yeah. getting them ready. Yeah, no, I mean, I, th- I think, that, you know, I think that's true. I mean, here, here's the thing. It's like, you know, we can't allow, you know, a handful of uh, talking heads in the media or people in the party or people in uh, politics to be able to determine a lot of these choices because we're going to have leaders who are going to be able to emerge. Some people are going to have good policy vision. Some people are going to be able to communicate well. And there's going to be a whole lot of, there's going to be a whole <coughs> lot of different factors that are going to determine who is a person who's going to be able to uh, be our standard bearer in 20. What I'm focused on right now is being able to make sure that we can uh, block the worst of a Trump presidency. What is it that we can actually do to uh, prevent repealing the Affordable Care Act? What is it that we can do in order to be able to prevent these really, really nasty immigration plans? And so, uh, and to be able to protect women's rights. And so, this is what we need to be focused on in uh, in, in in the short term. Obviously, 2020 is going to be be important, and it's going to be important not because of what's going on at the presidential level, though that is incredibly important, but also 2020 is also a year in which we have to make sure that we're electing Democratic state legislatures and a a Democratic Congress because we're going to be doing the census again in 2020, and that means the people who are are elected into office at that time are going to be the ones drawing the districts. That's something that has really killed us, especially in Indiana, is that the Republicans have been able to gerrymander us out of our seats and uh, deprive the voters of the will of selecting their own representatives. And that's that's a huge deal, something that we really got to get to the bottom of you kind of just led into a segue of my next question with the uh inauguration right around the corner do you have any words of encouragement Mm -hmm. for our listeners about the future Uh, you mentioned some of the things that that we have to avoid happening But can can you expand on that just a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, I I, th- I think that yes, there are a lot of things that we're going to have to avoid. Of course, that we, uh, you know, the uh, Monroe County Democratic Party is uh, uh, helping sponsor a bus to go up to Indianapolis to be able to take part in the Solidarity March with a lot of, for uh, the Women's March in Washington D.C. Uh, and so we're going to begin the very beginning. Uh, with the explicit message that Donald Trump does not speak for a majority of us, and he does not, and he does not speak for us uh, nationally. He does not speak for us locally. Now, if you want some words of encouragement, then I don't think that you, ha- you have to look much further than your own community. You know, uh, here in Monroe County, we were one of four counties to go blue in the state of Indiana. Uh, and not only that, Democrats won every single one of our local elections right here in Monroe County. And you can take a look at this as a community in which we've had a Democratic leadership for a really, really long time. And this is a community that is deeply committed to care. This is a place where people look out for one another. One of the, Seriously, the hottest issue in town is how is it that we actually best serve the homeless? That is the type of debate that I want to see going on in every community, not just throughout the state of Indiana, but in, but but throughout the country. And we are uh, lucky enough or privileged enough uh, that we have a community that is not just based on progressive values, but understands that uh, really uh, our capacity to form a more perfect union rests precisely in our ability to look out for one another. So um, what would you say to anybody who's uh, 
thinking about um, or considering running for for a local office. Yeah. Considering what the the numbers were at the last elections, you know, you take the numbers in the uh, at the state level. Yeah. Seventy thirty in the House, forty one yeah. nine in the state Senate, and you said only four areas where Democrats won elections yeah. throughout the state. What what were the other three? Was Gary, South Bend, and... Yeah, and, uh, in, in, in Indiana. So uh, Marion, so Marion, that had been uh, Marion County, uh, Lake County, and Allen County. Okay. But again, facing those kinds of uh, odds, yeah. how would you encourage someone to, 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 to get involved and in, uh, participate in politics? Yeah, well, that's an excellent question. Well, number one, I would say that, number one, uh, for all the listeners who are here based in Monroe County, remember, <laughs> we were one of those counties. And so if you want to yeah. be able to get involved in politics, contact your local Democratic Party. I know how to get a hold of them. Uh, secondly, I think that uh, we have to be able to be to be sure that we really elected a person without we, we elected a president without precedence, right? This is a person who is coming into office unlike anyone else that we've ever seen before. And do you want to be able to just sit down and take that? Or do you want to be able to stand up and do you want to be able to represent somebody? Yeah, are the, are, are the odds difficult in Indiana? Sure. Can I, uh, you know... Can we look at the monumental challenges that we've had, you know, throughout history that have been overcome against overwhelming odds? This is something that we have the capacity to be able to do. We're strong here in Monroe County. We're strong in other parts of the state. We need to be able to build out from that uh, and really get in touch with a, a lot of different folks, uh, especially people who are struggling. And by the way, they might not think that they're still going to be struggling under the Trump presidency. And uh, if 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 their hopes for a Trump presidency don't come into fruition, and I have a suspicion that they're not, then the Democratic Party is going to be there, and we're not, and we're going to be here to listen. We're going to be here to listen and to be able to best serve people uh, who are going through hard times, because that's who our base has always been, and that is who we need to be able to reconnect ourselves to, uh, because uh, really, uh, uh, working people. Uh, make the backbone of our party. And we need to make sure that we're carrying that through victory in 2018 and 2020. In our final two minutes, uh, would you let our listeners know if they do want to get involved, yeah. who to contact, <laughs> where to contact, et cetera? Yeah, fantastic. I mean, I think that one of the first things that you want to do is go log on to our website at www.monroedems.org. Uh, from there, you could be able to sign up for updates that is also that, and uh, you'll be able to get uh, updates as to everything the Monroe County Party is doing, you can feel free to send me an email. Um, and uh, my personal email address is uh, chair, C-H-A-I-R, at monroedems.org. Uh, I would invite everyone to come out uh, January 23rd to the uh, back room of the TAP. Uh, we're going to be having a, a little after hours uh, starting at 530 uh, to 7, just to you know have uh, a couple of drinks and have a couple of laughs and uh, get some uh, ideas from a lot of the people in the community as to where you think that the party should uh, best go, and I encourage people to take advantage of that. You're going to send out an email uh, about that? Yes. Okay. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us this evening, and, and I'm sure our listeners have learned quite a bit. Uh, you've uh, given me that spark back. I was a little down after the election. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Well, we want to thank Monroe County Democratic Party Chairman Mark Fraley for coming and sharing their op his observations on what the political landscape looks like post-election day. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, we want to hear it. 
Send your emails directly to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share any and everything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. That email address, once again, bring it on at wfhb.org. Distraction. 
You just heard Weather by Amel Lurieu. Amel Lurieu is an American singer-songwriter and keyboardist. Lurieu rose to fame in the mid-1990s as a founding member of the duo Groove Theory along with Bryce Wilson. After leaving the group in 1999, she released her debut solo album, Infinite Possibilities, the following year on Epic Records. This is Bring It On, the people's forum for black culture in South Central Indiana and beyond. Are you a tweeter? You're invited to follow the WFHB News Twitter account. This is a great way to get breaking news and updates on what's going on behind the scenes and on the air with WFHB News. Go to Twitter.com and search for WFHB News, or you can always visit WFHB News website at WFHB.org slash news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. Here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. For Bring It On, I'm Cornelius Wright. And I'm Amrita Myers joining you for the second half of tonight's show. At the top of the hour, we shared that there is a bold initiative being planned for the Bloomington community on January the 20th. The project is entitled Inaugurate the Revolution and represents a full-day undertaking of teach-ins, workshops, rallies, and service projects. In the spirit of nurturing the growth of development of local grassroots activism and coalition building, a group of young activists have put together an amazing lineup of opportunities for all those who are interested in learning more about how to get involved here at home and make the world a better place. Under the moniker of Educate, Agitate, and Organize, two of the core organizers for Inaugurate the Revolution are Stanley Jaguna, a founding member of IU Students for a Democratic Society, and Alice Corey, a local writer and photographer affiliated with the Equity Collective. Stanley and Alice, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to Bring It On. Thank you all thank so you. much. So, tell us about the project, how, how did, uh, who came up with the idea, What's going to be happening? I'm really excited to hear all about it. Okay, so um, Inaugurate the Revolution was initiated by a Facebook post of mine in mid-November. I had seen um, some graphic flyers circulated on Twitter and Facebook from some anti-fascist groups in the United States, and they were calling for a general strike on the 20th. So I made a post and I asked um, who in my friends list had had uh, experience with labor strikes. And then I got connected with the two other organizers who aren't here, and they brought Alice along. And we sort of came up with this event that, well, we decided that it wasn't the best idea to do a strike. So we we're like, okay, well, we're going to protest it somehow. How do we go beyond the usual model of protest? How do we go beyond people coming together, listening to a lot of speeches, and then just dissipating, mm -hmm. right? So Inaugurate the Revolution is meant as, first and foremost, a, a huge event to signify strength and unity and solidarity um, amongst the community and with marginalized populations. And it's supposed to rally people around the same principles and say that our vision is still here and we still matter. And by doing that, we vehemently condemn Donald Trump and everything that he stands for. So how did you come up with the, I mean, this is not just one event. It's really an entire day mm -hmm. of multiple events, many of which are happening simultaneously throughout the day. So I was wondering maybe, Alice, you could speak a little bit because you, you've been doing a lot of the sort of scheduling, right? And maybe oh, you could maybe take our listeners through sort of what the offerings are um, that are going to kind of be available throughout the day, how this is all going to come together. I know that we end with a huge rally in the evening. So I think it would be great for our listeners to kind of get a sense for what exactly this is. I mean, we know like the motto on the banner head says like no work, 
no school, no shopping. And that this is not just about, just about one day, it's about inaugurating, right, kicking off grassroots activism here and across the country in order to get people involved, not just for today or tomorrow, but for the next four years, eight years and beyond, um, and to actually grow um, active citizens. So if you could just kind of like, I know you, I see you've got your schedule right in front I've of you, so this schedule. is perfect, so take it away. Yeah, well, our schedule, um, there's a lot on here, and uh, it's way more than I can even cover, you know, on, even if I had the full oh, 20 no. minutes. <laughs> so, no, just kind of um, like a broad no, overview. Yeah. Um, so what, what we've tried to put together is um, a day of short, mostly one to two hour um, sessions of um, activism, and we've got some teach-ins, we've got service projects, um, but they're kind of chunked out during the day so you can go from one to another. Um, and they're on topics of all sorts. We've got um, things from peacemakers, the Bloomington Peace Action Coalition. We've got um, IU professors such as yourself um, doing teach-ins and workshops on topics that um, that they study. Um, Active citizenship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, we have various members of leftist and anarchist groups in Bloomington even. Um, so we really have a wide range of offerings. Um, and it's you can kind of put together a schedule so that you can maybe check out one thing and another and get really a broad range of tactics and, and perspectives, maybe some of which you've not known, known of before or experienced. Some of the topics that you have? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, one of them that I'm really excited about is um, called the revolution will be accessible it's on um it's a topic that is really important because as activists um we kind of have or we we fall into these patterns you know march in the street um hold up signs but we don't always think about how to include everybody um of all abilities different abilities um mm -hmm. in our activism so i'm excited that's one i'm going to be attending myself i hope if i get a chance um and we've got one on, uh, it's a film screening about um, MLK. Mm. Uh, so kind of bouncing off of MLK Day earlier in the week, we're gonna have a film screening and a panel kind of reclaiming him as actually a radical because he gets whitewashed so often in, uh, in liberal yes, circles. Yes, he does. <laughs> no? no one wants to talk about- The real Martin. King, who actually spoke out against capitalism and who spoke out against militarism. And the fact that when he died, actually he was at odds with most of the Washington political insiders and that now everybody wants to claim King is like the dude, but actually he was not very popular back then Absolutely. at all because he very much shifted his philosophy in the second half of his uh, political career. Right. So I know that you said that in addition to teach-ins, there's going to be some service projects. Are there, is there maybe an example of a service project that you could give us that people might be able to get involved with? Yeah, we have a few that are still kind of coalescing, but mm. one that's already on the schedule. Um, we've got a service project uh, workshop combination called Letter Writing for Prisoners. Mm -hmm. um, and so that allows participants to build solidarity with um, those in our community who are incarcerated, mm -hmm. which is actually a very large chunk of our population. And they're they are absolutely, I mean, literally uh, barred from communicating and organizing with the uh, the rest of us who are on the outside for the most part. So that's mm -hmm. 
that's a um, so it's kind of service and kind of also I mean it's a learning service thing so this is all happening on January the 20th where are these events going to be happening and how do people sign up how do they get involved as an attender how do they get involved if they want to help out what are the different ways that you need people to help out is there a cost involved that's you know no. all, those all things. Of the programming is free uh, everything you- is free folks <laughs> All free. But we are taking donations because we do have costs associated with like venue contracts and insurance, event insurance and things of that renting, nature. Renting spaces like the Bus Kirk Chumley, for right. example. Right. right so we do need donations. Yeah, right. right. We do. Mm-hmm. Um, we're asking for donations from, um, I mean, to, to help to allow those who truly cannot afford to pay to attend to attend. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're asking folks to really think about whether they... Um, can afford the occasional luxury like a dinner out or something and um you know if that's the case then perhaps just a few dollars can you take that twenty dollars and put it towards inaugurate the revolution at youcaring.com forward slash inaugurate the revolution youcaring.com forward slash inaugurate the revolution awesome so everything is technically free Mm -hmm. you can donate and then how do you sign up signups are at our website, www.inauguratetherevolution.com, it'll be the first link right underneath the taglines of no work, no work, no school, no shopping. Um, and there's a full registration page uh, that you can go to and uh, attendees can list which workshops that they're going to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, they can list whether or not they need childcare. They can also list, what else can they list? Um, they, they can list uh, accessibility needs mm-hmm. and anything else they want us to tell want us to know about they can list um whether or not they're attending our rally in march Mm -hmm. so you don't have to be there the whole day right you could choose to come for one session here or a session over there and kind of make it work around your schedule Mm -hmm. um but you can also there's i know that there's a number of sessions happening at the same time so you can kind of pick the things that are most interesting to you too right Mm -hmm. yeah right yeah it's kind of like lotus but all day Okay, Lotus, now, but all day. <laughs> now, I know you mentioned at Buskirk Chumley. Where are the other venues? Um, we're yes. having some of our workshops at the Monroe County Public Library. Um, some will be awesome. at the Buskirk Chumley. Um, we've got a few off-site workshops scheduled. Um, one is at the Unitarian Universalist Church. Um, we've got a couple of things going on, actually, at IU, at the Wells Library. Um, we have an art show that uh, it's currently... A little bit of a secret, but we're about to be releasing some information about it, um, and that uh, that's going to be offsite as well. Um, but most of it is going. Our central campus is going to be in the downtown area, the Bus Kirk um, and the the public library. Now, now as a child of who grew up in Berkeley in the '60s, I, I find it kind of ironic that I, one of my favorite songs back in the day was a song by Gil Scott Heron, "The Revolution Will Not Be Televised." Televised. Mm-hmm. And as, as I think about some of the way the information is being disseminated now, it's on Facebook. So I guess the revolution will be Facebook. But <laughs> Might be on Facebook Live. Hey, who knows? So can people go to Facebook and type in Inaugurate the Revolution and they would find your event page? Mm-hmm. Our okay. event page and our organizational page as well. Mm-hmm. So they could get a lot of the information that they need right from there. Of course. Yeah. Yep. So what I want to know is... Is this is are similar occurrences happening around the country on that day? Is what we're doing here totally unique in the sense that nobody else is, or are are we going to see a day of activities happening across the country like this? Well, there the whole J twenty thing is supposed to be a nationwide day of action and protest uh, to delegitimize um, the inaug- 
the inauguration. But as far as comparing Inaugurate the Revolution to other events, I think we are really in a league of our own as far as how comprehensive we are in having sessions that teach uh, methods of resistance and teach people how to approach politics with a new form of consciousness. We give people direct opportunities to make an impact in their community through mutual aid. And we also have your march and we also have a rally. So it's not just the march and the rally, but we've mm-hmm. got, so we've got tools being given mm-hmm. to people. They can actually put them into practice on a service project. Mm-hmm. They can still march and mm-hmm. protest and sing and then listen to speeches mm-hmm. and do all of that sort of. So it's moving forward. So, I mean, I know there's going to be, we have the very next day, we have a series of marches happening across the country, mm-hmm. right? Women's marches. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one happening in D.C., but sister marches, daughter marches happening across the country, one here in Bloomington, one in Indianapolis, Louisville, Lexington, I mean, basically across the country. Um, how do you see what you're doing on Friday, perhaps or coordinating or maybe not coordinating with what's going to be happening on Saturday? It is supposed to encourage people to take as much action as possible. Uh, the reason why we put so many things together on this day is to really emphasize to folks that we have to turn it up three notches, right? Like we can't allow ourselves to feel paralyzed or try to scrounge up whatever sense of normal that we have left and let this fade into the background of everyday life. This is going to be a fight that lasts for four years and it's going to be waged, it's going going to be won or lost by how many people are in the streets, not by whoever's representing us in Congress, although that's important. But the majority, I believe, of the agency lies within how many people stand up, get break away from the daily you know, humdrum of things, and take action. I totally agree. One question. We have J20, and there's a lot of things going around around the country. Mm-hmm. Has there been any follow-up for February, March, April, May, et cetera? Because as you mentioned, this is a daily fight. And, you know, come February 1st, we don't want people to forget what's been going on. So, and, and just think this is the new normal and go about their business, like you were saying. Yeah, so have there been any ideas about having further workshops, maybe quarterly or just follow-ups uh, after this one? Yeah, we've, uh, we've spoken about those ideas among our core organizing team and with um, our broader circles of activist networks. Um, we're hoping, actually, that a lot of ideas for what that could consist of will come out of the workshops themselves. Um, these aren't just talks. These are going to be participatory sessions um, for anyone who's involved. Um, many of them will end with breakout groups or um, like actual sessions of, we have a poetry workshop, so people are going to be writing poetry and you know perhaps a writing circle or group will come of that that will you know create um, art to inspire people to continue to work for the revolution. Um, we've got one session that's about um, building solidarity by sharing time, so um, creating an alternative to the um, strict capitalist economy that we're working in. Um, these are all initiatives that can kind of be uh, incubated, we're hoping, through this day of action and then moving forward. And another phenomenal quality of having so many organizations coming together to present themselves through the workshops is that people get connected. So what are some of the organizations that are going to be involved? Because this is this is a way for you to not only go to a workshop, but then possibly decide, I'm going to volunteer my time. I'm going to get involved with this organization or volunteer my time with that particular group. You know, we may not be able to join every group, but if everybody joined one, 
it's amazing how much would get done, right? So what are some of the possible, what are some of the groups that are, you know, across town that are going to be involved and on campus, I know as well. So, Well, for, uh, on the student side of things, we have the College Democrats represented. We have the Young Greens represented. We have Oxfam. Uh, we're trying to work back uh, the Femi- Feminist Student Association as well. Um, and then as far as in the broader community, we're going to have the Bloomington Greens, we have uh, the Prison Youth Community. We have the Bloomington Food Policy Council. We have we have a lot to offer, and, and as well as the Black Student Union on the student side. Yeah, and that's just a few. Yeah. That's just a, a sampling. It's a fraction. That's a sampling. So, what time do events yes. start? Yes. Um, so we've got events currently slated starting at nine thirty. Um, In the morning, okay. Yeah, 9.30 a.m. Um, those are our first round of workshops, but uh, we've got check-in going on at 9 um, for those workshops. We are asking folks to kind of check in with us. You know, there's a lot going on this day. It's going to run almost like a conference mm-hmm. um, with a schedule, and you know, we'll say, here's where everything is, here's a map, here's, you know. Um, so check-in starts at 9. Uh, our first slate of workshops begin at 9.30, and then they're going to run all day till about 510, uh, giving us a few minutes to kind of assemble for our march. And um, the march is going to start where? Um, we're planning for the march to start at the Monroe County Public Library, which is where most of our workshops are going to uh, be taking place. Around um, what, the 530-ish mark? Uh, or 515. 515, and, okay. Um, so this is... Um, this is going to be just a march around the downtown area and mm-hmm. then back toward the bus kirk. We've got a lot of folks lined up to lead chants and make it a really joyous march, kind of building on what we've been doing all day, you know, not just not focusing on one issue, mm-hmm. which is often the case with marches, which is fine when, but um, there's so many issues at play here. So okay, we've got about three minutes left. So in that time, The floor is yours. Let our listeners know what you want them to know. What listeners should know is that we have to conceive of something that really swings the pendulum back in in our favor. Because whenever you look throughout history, the only thing that has accomplished that in the face of so much oppression has been people coming together and building mass movements and affirming the fact that they won't settle for this, that we deserve a better world, and that we can have the power to institute it. Uh, so inaugurate the revolution is a full day counter inaugural. What happened on November eighth, twenty sixteen, was not the end of the world that we want to see. Rather, it was the beginning of a long, beautiful struggle to create it. Tell me how you are defining the word revolution, because I think a lot of people hear that word and all they think of is guns and blood. I'm gonna. I want you to tell them what this word really means and how you are envisioning it and using it. Right. Yeah. Um, so we've we've actually dedicated a whole little part of our website to this because there's so much, uh, so many different interpretations of the word revolution. Um, but for us, it's it's not necessarily a violent coup, the like of which you would see in a movie. Um, but for we're conceiving of revolution as a radical act of love, a complete changing of the paradigm, um, and this is done by us. For us, we are not going to rely on anyone else but our our own communities. Um, We're not going to have the government do it for us because they can't. Um, And so we show our solidarity with us by any means necessary. And we're going to try to figure what that means uh, on the 20th. And like you said, it's not just one issue. It's about addressing a lot of issues 
And instead of having us all have these little separate groups coming together and realizing that we need to be actually a collective voice, right, across mm -hmm. the board. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Any any other last minute thoughts before we before we wrap up? Visit www.inauguratetherevolution.com. You can donate to us at www.youcaring.com forward slash inaugurate the revolution. Come out on Friday the 20th. If you can't make it until the end, we've got the rally, which ends up at the Buskirk Chum the March, which ends up at the Buskirk Chumley, and then we have rallies and speeches, and and we go from there. But we just want to, you know, I mean, thank you so much for for coming. Thank oh, you so absolutely! Much for uh, you've really just kind of renewed my faith in humanity in? and our youth. <laughs> that uh, thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Thank you for having us. Pleasure so thanks. To be here. So we just want to once again just mention your names. So we have in the studio with us tonight Stanley Jaguna, founding member of IU Students for a Democratic Society, and Alice Corey, a local writer photographer affiliated with the Equity Collective. Thank you both so much for sharing ITR's vision with us today. If you have an event or happening the African American community should know about, please send the info directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to thank uh, Monroe County Democratic Party Chairman Mark Fraley for coming on and sharing his observations on what the political landscape looks like post-election day. Our show's executive producer is Clarence Boone, with help from WFHB News Department Director Joe Crawford. Our news, news editor is Michael Nolan. Tonight's board was engineered by Floyd Hobson. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effium, with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Amrita Myers. And I'm Cornelius Wright. Be sure to tune in for a special MLK Day interview with Adam Foss next Monday, January 16th at 6 p.m for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.